Well, hello, everyone. My name is Alec, and thank you for joining us on another episode of the Access Podcast. I'm here with Bethany Wasink. Say what's up, Bethany. Hey, everybody. And we are going to be talking to Kyle Mervin today. He's here with us. He's going to be sharing a little bit of his testimony. So, Kyle, say what's up to everybody. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Absolutely. How are you doing today, man? Doing well. Doing well. Doing well. Um, let's talk about what you did this weekend, because I want to know a little bit more, and we want to let everybody know kind of what you're about. So... What did you do this weekend? Let's see. Um, so on Friday, right after work, I went to my sister's house, and I have four nieces and nephews, Aww. ranging from four to eleven years old. So oh, fun! You can imagine how much fun was had there, and um, Uncle my Kyle. parents came over to yeah, yep, Uncle Kyle. Yep. That's wild. I have so an Uncle fun. Kyle. Do you? I do. He lives out in Minnesota. He's a great guy. Nice. I don't have an Uncle Kyle or uncles for that matter. So good for you. Oh, sure, you're nice. a great uncle. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> So that was fun. Um, Saturday, went with some friends to Green Lake in Caledonia, about a half hour from uh, where I live, and spent the day on the lake, did some kayaking, hung out, had some dinner. It was a great time. And then um, on Sunday, I went rock climbing for the first time, which was yesterday. Dang. Oh, wow. um, Where did you go rock climbing? We went to Inside Moves. Yep, okay. yep, I've heard it's of it. Over there in Byron Center, pretty close to here, actually. Is it is it bouldering, or was it like actual rock climbing where you're strapped in? There's both. Okay. There's both. Did you do both? Or just I did both, yeah. That's what's up. And what's up. let me tell you, there's some muscles in my body <laughs> that I didn't even know could be sore that are sore today. So. Honestly, dude, that's what happens. Like, it's a totally different game trying to climb a rock wall. You just You just feel sore in places that you never thought you could. Yeah. It is. Well, it's yeah. not something you do every day. It's not like you're going to work, and it's like, oh, I got to climb that mountain right <laughs> i'm just gonna go climb this uh mountain today before i go to work but and yeah, you just see the people there that have been doing it for so long that just complete a route with ease mm-hmm. and you're just like what i cannot move my body that way yes. but most not like, right now anyway so you're like what's a route <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah no i i understand i've only done it like twice but for those of you who don't know a route is just a way that you go ding 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 Wow. <laughs> well, Kyle, <laughs> anyway, a little bit of a bunny trail. Kyle, you are very involved uh, with Access. You're on the worship team. Yeah. You play the keys. You sing. You're very talented. I've seen you around, but I don't know much about you, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't mu- don't know much about you either. So we'd love for you to share just a little bit about you, a little bit about your backstory, and then we can kind of get into your testimony. Yeah, sure. So, um I grew up, was born in Grand Rapids, and was born and raised in Jenison, and um, I've actually been coming to Res since I was probably four or five years old, so I grew up um, going to Res pretty much my entire life, and um, my parents were also very involved here, and they oversaw um, when the zone, remember with the zone mm-hmm. back in there, I think it was fifth and sixth grade or maybe seventh and eighth grade at one point, yeah. Oh, yeah. but um, they were overseeing that. And so, um, you know, I grew up and I was coming here typically Sunday morning, Sunday night, and, and Wednesday nights. So um, I've been coming here for a very long time. And, um, yeah, so I grew up right around here and um, ended up going to Grand Valley for college. Studied mechanical engineering there. And, um, yeah, it was a pretty great uh, program. I did not know that. It was that. a pretty great program, wow. yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, it was a great program, and um, every other semester for the last two years, they um, had you do a full-time internship. Okay. So you would actually be working 40, 45 hours a week, 
at a, at an engineering company, either doing, you know, drawings or quoting stuff out or just doing, you know, whatever they wanted you to do. It was basically, you know, cheap labor for yeah. the for the companies, but you did get paid and that was awesome in college, you know, getting paid to do a job that you might be doing uh, for the rest of your life is pretty cool. That's awesome. And so, um, yeah, after that, um, after I graduated from college, I, I moved to South Carolina for a year for um, a training program for the career that I was going into mm-hmm. and um, moved back to Michigan after that and started um, a career as a field sales engineer was my title. I was selling industrial conveyor equipment, um, going all over Michigan and kind of just trying to displace other manufacturers and get my products in at different customers and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So. Um, I've been in Michigan ever since, mostly on the east side of the state, um, Metro Detroit area. I lived in Royal Oak, if you guys know that, that town, Mm -hmm. um, lived there for quite a while. Um, and then, yeah, but I moved back here to Grand Rapids in July of 2018 and, um, really just started getting plugged in again at res and, um, started volunteering and hanging out almost every day yeah. here between everything that's going on. Yeah, so. you hear a lot. I <laughs> so, know yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. It's great, though. It's So that's kind of a little bit of kind of the brief history yeah. of just, you know, a quick overview. But yeah. That's awesome. Now, kind of getting more into your testimony, were you raised in a Christian household? I know, I know you said your parents were in the church and highly involved, but what was your relationship with Christ? Yeah, so, you know, looking back on it, um, you know, I came to church and I enjoyed church. Um, kind of part of my testimony is really looking back and highlighting how, um, you know, the different things that happened in my life that caused me to have distance between God and really between my parents and myself. And, you know, kind of how the enemy was using different lies from the time that I was a child to start pushing me away from God and, and mm-hmm. pushing me away from my parents. And, um, so a couple of the things that kind of contributed to that, which really affected my relationship with God, is, um, you know, my parents were very involved here, and they oversaw, you know, um, some of the church, you know, some of the kids' services at church and that kind of thing. And I always had this stigma that I put on myself that I was almost like a pastor's kid, right? You know, my parents are super involved in church. And so I kind of saw myself through that lens as I was growing up. And also on top of that, my mom um, was a teacher for 40 years. Great teacher. Wow. Very dedicated. Just like so good with kids and everything. But she she taught the um, drugs and alcohol and, and sex class mm. at, at the school that I went to. Oh, wow. So Did you take um, her class? I did. <laughs> oh, yes, my goodness. I did. So, I mean, you know, it's pretty funny to look back on now, but during that time, me, especially in seventh and eighth grade, where um, that class was, was pretty much, you know, when everybody was learning about all that kind of stuff and everything. But I was trying to start, you know, growing up as a young man, and I felt this, like, this pressure and this weight on me that, you know, all the girls think that I'm just, you know, the drugs and alcohol and sex teacher's kid, and they're not going to want to, like go out with me or, you know, all this different stuff that was just all these lies that were coming at me that I didn't think were lies. I just thought that they were just my natural thoughts that made sense. You know, this was the environment that I was in. And so these are the thoughts that are just going to come from that environment. And so, 
um, between kind of that that stigma of being the the good innocent kid, between you know my my parents being super involved in church and and vocally and they were pretty strict parents as well, you know, just strict, what I thought was strict, what was really just, you know, protecting me from some of the stuff in the world. I see that now, but growing up, that was always very difficult for me. You know, a lot of my friends, um, they didn't have rules. They didn't have rules on who they could hang out with, what time they could hang out and tell, or where they were hanging out. And so, you know, my conscience was pretty strong on me, and I'll, I'll give you one example specifically that, that really just um, stuck with me for a long time. So we were, there was a, a birthday party for uh, one of my friends, John. I forget how old he was turning, maybe like like 10 or 11 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were going to watch um, a PG-13 movie. I don't remember which one it was. I think it was like an Adam Sandler movie, something, okay. you know. Something something funny, but obviously had a lot of crude jokes in it and whatever, that kind of thing. And, you know, it was just really on my heart to not watch that movie, to, to honor my parents in that situation, mm-hmm. which, you know, that that's great. Like, you know, like the spirit's working in my life saying that, you know, like, hey, you shouldn't be watching this. And so I called um, I called my mom to have her come pick me up. And I remember we were in the basement and there's, you know, nine, ten guys starting to watch this movie and I'm walking up the stairs saying goodbye to everybody and they're all just kind of you know focused on the movie but I felt like everybody was focused on me Hmm. that everybody was like dude like why aren't you just gonna watch this movie it's not a big deal what's the big deal Yeah, yeah there's it's not a big deal and I remember getting into my mom's car and just started like bawling crying and I was just like I don't want to be like this I don't want to feel like this why is God making me do this? Hmm. And like there was, and that was like a, one of the points right there where I just felt myself start to get like a little bit cold towards my parents and start to get, you know, really resentful towards my parents for, you know, being so strict, but also being angry with God, being like, like, I don't want to do this. Like, I want to be able to do what I want to do. Everybody else is doing it. And so that was just an example right there of, you know, the devil twisting up something that was good and really starting to cause that seed of division between my parents and I mm-hmm. and cause that division and that that anger towards God. And so, um, you know, I struggled with those same those same lies and that kind of stigma all throughout um, junior high and high school and that kind of thing. And. You know, a lot of times it was this this sort of fear of maybe it was like, you know, asking a girl out or um, the fear of, of not doing something very well and being scared of failure. So those were just like, you know, some other things that I dealt with on a daily basis looking back on it, whether that was in sports, you know, in terms of schoolwork and that kind of thing, you know, um, I, I did all of that with ease and that stuff came very easy to me, which I'm, you know, very blessed to you know, not really struggle with schoolwork or anything, or anything. But um, if there was ever anything that I was not good at immediately, I was just like, you know what, I'm not gonna do this. Yeah, not gonna do it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do whatever I'm good at and not try anything new. And so, um, yeah, I guess you know those were kind of some of the things that I grew up with on a daily basis. And the main reason why I want to bring that up is I feel like there's so many young people, so many. 
um, middle school people and high school people that deal with those very same things, Mm -hmm. you know, and really understanding that like those were the, that was the beginning of some persecution that was happening, not really outwardly against me, but in my own mind, like the enemy was trying to, to bring that against me for doing the right thing. Yeah. And really seeing how, if you don't identify that that is a lie that you can just think that those are your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So going on from there, what was it like, um, like your relationship with your parents from that point on? Like describe to us how you kind of maybe fell away from like a close relationship with your parents, like how, like what that resentment did for you. Yeah. You know, I, um, I'd say the main thing is I, I didn't really feel like I could be honest with my parents about how I felt um, because they were just going to be like, well, you know, the right thing to do is just, you know, to, to do the right thing and to not be doing these bad things. Um, and, and really that it, it prevented me or, it, you know, it prevented me from really just being open with them and being honest about how I felt. If I would have just said, Hey, you know, I'm really struggling with the fact that, you know, that you're the drugs, alcohol and sex teacher, mom. Like, I feel like it's like emasculating me. Like, I don't feel like I'm like growing up as like a, a man who, you know, can take control of his life or whatever. You know, I just, I didn't feel like there was that openness and I felt very alone that nobody understood how I was feeling because there was nobody else in my friend group who felt that way. And there was nobody else in my family that really felt that way. You know, my two older sisters, um, you know, were blessed to have a lot of strong Christian friends that were around them. And so, um, so really the only time that they got in, you know, trouble was if they, I don't know, it was just very minuscule things to where, um, you know, I started in high school, I started seeking out different things, um, you know, kind of a little bit of the rebellious state started, um, and, one of those things was, you know, I ended up in, in 10th grade, started, I drank at a party and we got pretty, you know, pretty drunk that night. Um, and, um, a couple of days later, me and a friend of mine were in, um, the athletic director's office as, you know, sophomores on JV basketball. And we ended up having to sit out, um, sit out six of the games for that. Wow. That's a lot. And so, you know, a third of the season. So that was really like, one of the first major repercussions um, that came about in my life from kind of that rebellious state and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, the next one was, um, you know, senior year, we, um, me and a friend had this great idea of stealing CDs from Meyer. And so, um, so that was another one that was, uh, that was pretty crazy. And, you know, I've, I'm looking back on it now, and these were all things that brought this adrenaline rush to me. Hmm. You know, they were all super exhilarating things, things that we shouldn't be doing, but they just brought this, like... The thrill. This Yeah, yeah. this thrill. And I just felt like doing... And it wasn't that I was intentionally, like, I want to do the wrong thing. Yeah. But when those temptations came up and like feeling that exhilarating feeling, it was just something that I was drawn towards. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I really just kind of, I kind of believe that it was all from that, that first, that first feeling back at that, 
um, at my friend's birthday party of mm-hmm. not wanting to feel that way of doing the right thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there was just like this kind of different. Than yeah. All your friends. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so really, um, you know, kind of moving on past high school, you know, so there was a couple small things that had happened to me, you know, the drinking and, you know, the stealing CDs, which ended up being like a, a small, small consequence, not that bad, you know. Um, I went on to college with, you know, some scholarships from still being, you know, a great student, like, you know, school coming pretty easily to me, great at math, physics, science, all that kind of stuff. And, um, I went off to college at Grand Valley, which was only about, you know, 10, 15 minutes away from my parents' house in Jenison there. And really, um, I moved into the dorms and it was just like all systems go. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anybody to, to answer to anymore. Um, it was free reign to do whatever I wanted. Yeah. And, um, you know, that started showing pretty quickly. I was, um, you know, partying, drinking probably like four or five nights a week. Um, some of the scholarships that I lost the, or some of the scholarships that I had, I lost the first semester cause I didn't keep my grades up to where they needed to be. Mm. And, um, and also, you know, the first semester of, of my freshman year, I ended up um, getting pulled over for, you know, having a license plate light out. So something small, but I was drinking that night and ended up having, getting a DUI. And so, um, you know, you could see just within two or three months of me having free reign to do whatever I want, my life became pretty unmanageable quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was a pretty, a pretty catastrophic event for me. And, um, you know, I was, I was sentenced to a year of probation and, um, you know, I followed all the rules for that. But as soon as I was off probation, which was, you know, the middle of my sophomore year, mm-hmm. went back to doing the same things over and over again. It was kind of more of like a, well, you know, if my license plate light wouldn't have been out, I wouldn't have gotten that DUI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of, well, you know, if you didn't have 10 drinks in the matter of how many hours, mm-hmm. then you probably wouldn't have gotten that DUI. Mm-hmm. So um, so it was kind of, you know, I followed all the rules when I needed to, when somebody was watching over me, right? Kind of like when I was growing up, somebody was watching over me but as soon as that was done it was right back to my same ways and lo and behold um lo and behold I ended up getting a DUI my senior year of of college Mm -hmm. so and I actually have to make correction that was my first DUI my senior year of college I got an MIP my freshman year so MIP freshman year DUI senior year (laughs) can you find a common denominator between the two (laughs) (laughs) It was the alcohol. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, so, you know, between it, yeah, the MIP freshman year, um, you know, the DUI senior year, it should have been pretty clear that, you know, mean alcohol did not mix, yeah. you know? Um, and so, um, you know, I ended up getting, getting five days in jail. So I got sentenced to, you know, to jail, not just overnight when you're mm-hmm. drunk, getting put in there, but I got sentenced to five days in jail. And, um, you know, that was, that was a pretty, it wasn't a crazy experience really. I was just sitting in my cell for five days and, um, you know, got out and, um, I still was able to complete my engineering degree, even though I had that, you know, I had a couple mishaps within a couple years, which was great. I was still able to, to get my engineering degree. Um, 
but still, I went I went right back to it. You know, I went right back to the same party and lifestyle. I didn't you know? really see it as a problem. You're just like, oh, this is what it is, but I can, I'm still on track. I'm still doing my thing. Right. Yep. So it was just kind of more of the unlucky streak, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I ended up, I ended up landing this job, you know, I was going to be a field sales engineer. I told them, you know, all about my, my DUI in the past and they were like, okay, like just, you know, um, you know, don't let it happen again. Everybody makes a mistake, but you know, if you get your second one, then, you know, you're probably going to lose your license and, you know, it'd be very hard for you to drive around and have an outside sales job Mm -hmm. if you don't have a license. Right. And so, um, so I was like, okay, great. You know, I moved down to South Carolina um, didn't really, you know, drink extensively down there. Um, but, but finished the, the, the training program down there and came back up here. And, um, within, you know, a year or so I was starting to just kind of go at it, go at it again. And, um, and then in 2015, so four years after my first DUI, I ended up getting my second DUI. And, um, so that was it, right? Yeah. You know, so you, so you lose, so you, you know, you lose your license indefinitely when you get your second DUI, and they have to, you know, you have to, you have to go through all these things to um, show that you're not drinking anymore, have people vouch for you, get documentation of all the different stuff that you're doing. So I was like, you know what, uh, you know, life's over as I know it. Um, you know, I don't have a license. I'm not gonna have a job, but you know, somehow, I still had my job they allowed me to keep my job um through the year of me not having my license right and so i was like man i'm so blessed you know i i kind i turned back towards the lord there for um for a little while because i was really just at this low point of just like wow i cannot believe that this happened you know like Mm -hmm. i can believe it happened but you know at the time i was just like i was crying out to him you know going i went to church for probably like like five, six weeks in a row, that kind of thing. I would either ride my bike up there or walk up there, you know, because of what was going on. Um, but but shortly after that, I didn't change the people that I was hanging out with, mm. and I didn't change the places that I was going, and I really wasn't changing my lifestyle completely. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like a foxhole prayer to God, like, hey, like, you know, like, I just can't do this anymore. Will you please help me? I promise I'll change everything but it wasn't really a true heart change. Yeah. And so, um, you know, in the midst of not having a driver's license and my job keeping me on, even though I didn't have a license, I still went back out to the party lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that went on until, um, you know, 2018. And um, I was lying to my company. I told them that I got my license back so I could just drive around and continue doing my thing without having to change. I was lying to pretty much all my friends about what was going on because they knew that I didn't have my license. I was lying to my parents wow. about, um, you know, why I wasn't attempting to get this back. That was like the the very obvious thing to do was to get it back, right? Like you, nobody wants to live without a driver's license kind of thing. Um, and really I was lying to myself. I didn't even understand who I was, mm. you know, yeah. um, by the end of it, there really wasn't a day that was going on, um, you know, without drinking or, you know, using some other substances and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and I just, you know, was so empty, so alone, you know, lying to my company about how many sales calls I was going on. Just this huge web of lies was just covering me. 
was just covering me. And, um, you know, I came clean to my company, um, through, I was driving, I was driving when I shouldn't have been with my boss in the car and got pulled over for speeding. Oh Oh, no. (laughs) So it continues to get better. But, um, so, you know, that was pretty much then I, you know, came clean to my company. I moved, um, you know, they gave me until the end of the month to gather my things up, um, and finish up everything that I could and pass over whatever I could. And, um, so, and that's the point where I came, came back to Grand Rapids, Mm. July of 2018, you know, no job, no driver's license, spiritually empty, emotionally empty, and physically just, you know, in the tank. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's when my life started to change. Hmm. And, um, man, it's just, it's crazy. Hmm. You know, looking at it now, um, it's been, you know, on July 13th was two years for me without, you know, drugs and alcohol, which is Congratulations, that's amazing. Yeah. But, um, you know, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, man. Why don't you, so describe to us what it was like. So you're feeling pretty much like rock bottom, like there's nothing else left for me. What was it that like first sparked the change? Like, was it a friend? Was it a parent? Did you just go to church or were you diving into the Bible by yourself? What was like that change for you? You know, so it's it has been a process still. Absolutely. You know, um, I knew that I needed to make these huge changes, but I still had this want to control. Right. And so I started, you know, I started coming to church and. Um, got plugged in with access shortly after that. Um, but I was not reading my Bible on a consistent basis, Hmm. probably through like the first year or a little over a year since I was back here, I was not reading it on a consistent basis. Um, and so there were still things that were going on in my life. Um, you know, the, the one other thing that was very consistent from an early age that, um, carried through all the way up until, you know, I started making some changes was, you know, porn was a big thing in my life Mm -hmm. too. So, um, you know, that was something that I didn't get rid of for a while. Mm -hmm. And it's still, you know, it was still just something that was holding on for a while. And, you know, I, I fully understood that I could not drink or, you know, use drugs or anything like that. That was fully through my head. But I was not surrendering that area of lust to God. Mm. And so that was still something that was just, you know, between that, you know, still creating that division between me and God, but also really, you know, coming fully clean and being fully there with my parents, Um, you know, still just just having that that full open relationship. And so. um, But man, things started definitely changing when I started reading the word every day. And it's, you know, looking back on it, you can almost kind of kick yourself and go, why wasn't I just reading the word every day? It's like, you know, it's what you're supposed to do. But, um, you know, at first it really felt like a requirement to do it. It wasn't something that I wanted to do every day, but I was doing it out of requirement. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, there it was just like this like switch that started flipping. And it was like, it's this is just where the relationship is. Mm-hmm. You know, you can come to church all you want. You can volunteer all you want. You can worship all you want. But, like, having that personal time with him, having that personal time in the Word, 
just meditating on the word and just figuring out what, like how it applies to your life is just so beautiful. And, you know, even like deeper on that, just like allowing the Holy Spirit just to be working in every area of your life all the time. You know, I always pictured it as, you know, even, even like sometimes I struggle with this thinking that, you know, I need to go to God whenever I'm struggling with something or go to God whenever I'm having a bad day. But really I had to like flip the script and be like, I should be going to God every day at all times first. Mm -hmm. And if I am relying on my own strength, even for a short amount of time, A, you can see what thoughts start coming into your head. B, you can start seeing what actions are produced out of it. And C, you got to (laughs) repent, you know, when you start trying to do things on your own because it's not going to turn up good, you know. And so, um, but man, what a process it's been over the past two years. Hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's an amazing, powerful story that you have because a lot of people, they don't realize how long of a process it is. Yeah. It's just, nowadays, we want instant satisfaction. We want, we want instant change. We want to get better overnight, but it's, it's not how it works. And, and you're a living, breathing, walking testimony, and it's encouraging. I know it will be encouraging for a lot of people who hear this to, to really like dig in the Word because you can, you can come to church. You can, you, know, you can go to study groups. You can go to Bible studies and, and all these small groups, but if you don't get in and do the work yourself, like that's where the life is. So if you're not there, you're not going to see the change. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can, you can fake it all you want, but it's really when you dive in yourself that you start to see change. And when you have that revelation, that relationship with Christ, that's the only place it's going to come from because you can go to other people, but nobody else, but Jesus is going to be able to help you change. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely right, man. That's really good. That's super awesome. So do you want to share just where you're at now? What's your routine? What's your lifestyle? Where your, your mindset is at right now? Just, you know, reading the word and, and, and like kind of dispelling the lies where your head is at right now with your relationship with Christ. What, what living the life of faith and walking it out looks like for you? Sure. Sure. Um, you know, so one thing, you know, Nick Mayo is just like, man, he's such a great role model. Love that man. He's a great man. <laughs> you guys, awesome. you guys interact with him often. I know. Yeah. Um, but one thing I was, um, you know, I didn't know how to have a good morning routine. It was just nothing that I ever had in my life. I woke up and just started like doing whatever I needed to waking up late, rushing off to work, rushing off to whatever else I needed to do. And I was always just restless in the morning. And so, you know, I asked, I asked Nick and I would encourage everybody to ask their mentor or ask a spiritually mature person what their morning routine looks like. Because having a solid morning routine is so imperative for me to be able to start my day off with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds so easy, but you know, until you start doing that and, um, you know, one kind of random thing that God like. Uh, has been showing me lately he's like yeah you bring your tithe into the storehouse the first tenth of your money but can you give me the first tenth of your day wow you know if i'm if i'm awake 16 hours a day you know that's 1.6 hours or about an hour and a half um that would be 10 percent of the day so whether you know sometimes i i get an hour in in the morning and then, you know, 30 minutes throughout the day, I make sure that I spend some more time with him. But that's kind of my goal for me. You know, can I give can I give God one tenth of my time every day between me and him? That's really good. Just like he's going to bless that 90 percent of the money. If you give that tenth for the tithe, how much more is he going to bless that 90 percent of your time? 
if you give him a tenth of your time. Absolutely. And so that's, you know, my morning routine, you know, looks like wake up, make some coffee and just sit down in the word. You know, there's, you know, you know, a Bible plan or two that I might read. But, you know, me as of late, I've just been I've just been getting in the word myself. You know, um, I I was listening to sermons um, more before I was spending a lot of time in the word. But now I'm spending a lot of time in the word. Um you know, just going through the Gospels and just, like, picturing Jesus preaching these messages to people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, sometimes I could find myself relying on um, relying on a pastor's word more than the Word of God. You know, like, for example, like, I listen to Stephen Furtick quite a bit. Great pastor, great mm-hmm. church and everything. But if I start listening to his word more than I'm spending personal time yeah. in the word of God, yeah. you know, like in, I think it's in first or second Peter where it talks about how every, um, every revelation of any man of God comes from his personal time with God in the word. And it all comes from the word. So if you think about it, you know, like Furtick or any pastor, he's spending personal time with God to, to create that message that's from God. So if we're spending personal time with God, we have our own message that he's creating inside of us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the second half of that is not just not just getting input from the word, but boldly speaking the gospel and boldly speaking the revelation that's coming from God, that's coming from the Holy Spirit in your life. And so, I mean, you can ask any of my friends now. I'm almost borderline annoying that I bring Jesus into the conversation almost <laughs> all the time. Or just like share what shared so passionately and joyfully what's what what revelation is coming from it. You know, I'm not just like, Yeah, dude, you know, like I've been reading the word, it's been really good lately. <laughs> you know, just yeah. like what chapter have you been in? What verses stuck out to you and how does it apply? Because that just starts opening the door to conversation with people that you would not have if you're not speaking the word of God boldly in the conversation, yeah. you know, it just opens them up and you, they see the genuine joy that's coming out of you. And that is what is attractive. Absolutely. You know, they don't have to respond in the way that you might expect them to, mm-hmm. you know, they might just give it a, you know, a little like on your iPhone or whatever it is. But, you know, like if we're consistently bringing the gospel into the conversation all the time, like people are going to start open up, opening up to you. And it's not by what you're doing. It's because you're allowing the Holy Spirit to be entering the conversation yeah. all the time. And it's just, you know, it it's great. It's the overflow. Yep. It's really good. Yeah. You can't, you can't spread the light if you are not overflowing. Mm-hmm. You got to right. be filled up yourself. But that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for sharing. Is there anything else that you want to say before we close out here? No, I mean, you know, I would just, I would just encourage everybody, um, you know, if you're, if you're struggling right now, I would say, A, find a, a mature Christian and start to mimic some of their rhythms, you know, mimic their morning routine, ask the simple questions, you know, how can I, how can I pray more effectively? I asked one of my mentors that question, you know, how do you mm-hmm. pray? What does your morning routine look like? How much time do you spend with God? Just all these simple questions, and you know, so, sometimes I would be fearful of asking those questions because I didn't, because uh, I wanted, didn't want to look, you know, dumb or something like that. But mm-hmm. just asking those simple questions and just wanting to gain understanding and wisdom from them can be a great point to start. You know, absolutely. And um, you know, another thing that I would that I would recommend is um, have those couple friends where if you're feeling down, that you can be like, hey man, can I just give like 
it's kind of weird to say, but can I just like talk to you five minutes about the gospel or talk to you for five to 10 minutes about the word? Like I'm feeling kind of down right now. The best way if you're feeling down is to be speaking the gospel. Hmm. You know, it, it yeah. just, it just does something different to you. So find those couple friends that would love to just hear from you for a few minutes. And then, you know, if you want to do it the other way too and have them speak to you, but every time we're speaking the gospel, we're just affirming each other's faith, building each other's faith and just growing together. Yeah. And that's really what's going to grow the relationship the most. So That's awesome. Well, thank you again, Kyle. Thank you again, Bethany, for being here. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Hope you guys gained some some wisdom and some knowledge. And uh, we'll see you again next time on the Access Podcast.